I I strangely like enjoy the balance that Meg The Stallion's Fever album brings to the game. Meg is incredibly fucking talented, man. She's rapping her ass off. One thing I love about Meg The Stallion is she's also bringing their culture to the light. So she's out here taking photos in like Boma outfits. She's doing the um, Todoroki like hairstyle, and she and it's like, yo, Meg is out here. Even if she's not really into it like that, she's. It's just another outlet of us showing like it's okay to be a nerd if you're black. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And she opened herself up to having so many other people. Like now, we're, this is a whole new audience you tapping into. So now all the blurs are like, yo, we down for Meg Thee Stallion because she's acknowledging us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Hip Hop and Anime Vibes, the podcast. I am your host, D-Town, a.k.a. Hip Hop and Anime Vibes, a.k.a. Katsuki Baku Glow, a.k.a. <laughs> Faximillion Pegasus, a.k.a. Goody Mob Psycho 100. And today is another episode of our top five series where we speak with creatives in the nerd space and get their insight on their journey through the culture. Today, I am joined by none other than... What's up? My name's Fantastic Frankie. I'm here to talk about everything nerd culture and give you my top five on the nerd essentials. Um, Detail, I'm loving that you have like more titles than Daenerys Stormboard. It's amazing. Oh, listen, man. I if I've got I've got two and a half minutes worth of AKAs. So <laughs> I just have the one. I just have fantastic Frankie, um, AKA Frankie. Hey, you know what? It's simple <laughs> and straightforward. I like it. I'm a fan. So thank you. So we'll get right into it. So. Um, again, guys, I'm joined by Fantastic Frankie and just some uh, some information on how I came across Fantastic Frankie. Um, of course, I run the hip hop and anime vibes uh, space. And oftentimes I check in with new creatives and uh, new content curators throughout the page's history. I seen this young woman pop up who had all of these hot takes on anime, on comics, on Marvel DC Cinema. And I gave her a follow when we started uh, having a conversation and she let me know what some of her goals were. And I literally seen this young woman get it up out the digital mud, so to speak. So I'm really <laughs> I'm really happy and excited to sit down with her. Frankie, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. I'm very, very excited to be here for sure. Awesome. So Go ahead and tell the people a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Sure. Um, So I'm definitely a content creator. I've been into nerd culture since I was a child. I was raised in it. I I spent a little bit in Japan and and got to experience anime, but definitely I'm a child of Tsunami, which really got me into anime. And my dad's definitely into comics, so that really got to me as well. But I grew up in New York City. So I have that cynicism that comes with that. And 
watching things like anime and comics and, and being a true New Yorker, I start to have these questions and I would just bring them up to other friends in the community and they would just lose it. Uh, and then I was like, you know, I want to share. I want to see if other people are agreeing with me in, in these thoughts or am I the only one? So I decided one day, like, I'm just going to start a page because honestly, I don't see enough women of color talking about this. And I would love to hear that perspective and to kind of lend an ear on that way. And definitely I, I listened to a couple people like Eunice on Black Girls Anime and Destiny Senpai on, on Getting Animated and the girls from Pretty Brown and Nerdy. And I, I just thought, you know, there's still a pocket here where they're definitely delivering news and they're giving reviews and on topics, but they're not, they're not, someone needs to be the villain. So I'm definitely <laughs> here to be that. <laughs> so it needs to bring that in. So uh, I definitely came in with that and it, it's been going great. It's been hitting the pavement hard and, and people have been supportive and interactive and it's amazing i respect it man and i I can i can speak for the grind i I see you out here busting your ass day in and day out um it looks like you're building something out of nothing and i more or less want you to speak to that because it's it's about it's about your fandom right and i think that that's where we should start like when did you decide to embrace your fandom of comics and and uh, anime? Was there a particular point that you recall? You know, I I think I was raised into it, so it was kind of part of my DNA. So it it was odd when I was a child or in, in middle school and high school because I I was like a closet nerd, so. Mm-hmm people it wasn't part of popular culture the way it is now with the MCU and Game of Thrones and things like that so I'm watching it and, and I'm really into these things but there there really wasn't a forum to share with the exception of going to cons mm. so I I don't think I truly truly embraced my nerdum to be honest when I started this page so I've always been into it I've always been reading it but it was kind of like a fun fact. Like if someone asked me, if someone kind of knew me or an acquaintance, they really wouldn't know that I was really into it versus I started my page and I feel almost free. Like this is a hobby that I've always been very interested in. But now where it's part of culture, San Diego Comic-Con is a big release party almost where everyone's going to see what's going on and it's dictating we're dictating the movies, the shows, and we're just dominating with our culture, with sci-fi and all that. And it's great to have these conversations now. And now I can have it with almost anyone and they'll know it at least on the surface level. Yeah. So I, definitely, I, I think the pace definitely propelled me forward on that end. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, I think you're speaking to speaking to a lot of our journeys into embracing our our geekdom and our fandom you know when you know i I don't necessarily know how old you are but and i'm not gonna ask but my you you know keeping it keeping it respectful but my journey was very similar whereas you know high school middle school i'm running home watching dragon ball z watching saturday anime on the sci-fi channel and there's nobody I could talk to about this thing. And it just seems like within the past like 15 years, it's exploded. And now we're able to have conversations 
with people across the world who are into the same things that we're in. So I'm, I'm really happy to see that your page is leading a lot of those conversations and bringing a lot of people together to have those conversations. Now, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the long form content that you produce. Uh, you have a YouTube channel and a YouTube series. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Tell us about the YouTube series and the purpose behind it. Sure. So I used to be, I still am, I'm a huge fan of like Blurred Without Fear and Film Theory and Super Carlin Brothers, which are all men. Um, most of them are white men except for Blurred Without Fear. Mm-hmm. Where they'll kind of give in their thoughts and their two cents on, on different things. And they get a twist on it. So you know exactly what their opinions are. They're, they're supplying facts. But they're they're kind of having you second guess some things or giving you canons and things. And that's where I realized, especially from women of color, that's something that we're not exposed to. So my main goal of my page is to normalize the Black female voice in this nerdy culture where, yeah, I can give you theories or I'm thinking about this or this is my take on it. And to have it in a way where people aren't asking me, like, do you really read it? Have you read it? But it's now just us arguing or like looking at plot holes and things together. So on my page, I spark a conversation with a, with a hot take. And then I explain what my hot take is. Um, on the YouTube channel. So the video isn't long. They're typically around three to five minutes where I'm explaining exactly what I said. I'm explaining myself because sometimes I say really egregious things on the <laughs> on the Instagram and people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, please just check my video out. Uh, it's not quite what you, what it seems and it's definitely, it's definitely going in. So I, I attack mostly mainstream content so things that I know a lot of people could identify with or have watched. So Dragon Ball Z, co- comic books and popular enemies. But definitely when movies are coming out and things like that, there are some theories I had when I read comic books growing up that I've been waiting to kind of drop on people. And now that the movies are starting to touch on it, I could bring it out and see what people think about it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think you do that very well. You know, I, I know we said in uh, our pre-production uh, pre-production chat, I, I said that I really love your hot takes because they are simple truths that are straight to the point, but they come from a lens where and come from a perspective that many people may not have explored before. Um, like, I know you have a video. Um, I think Goku is a deadbeat dad or the worst father. Um and you also just- Oh, he's, I, I have a bunch on him. <laughs> <laughs> but- Hey, Goku. Nah, I mean, both, the the same, the same. <laughs> um, and there was one that you put out, I believe all the Marvel villains, or I'm sorry, all the Marvel superheroes are villains or, or lawbreak. What was, what was the word you used? All Marvel heroes are criminals. Yeah, yeah. They're criminals. <laughs> because they're vigilantes. I mean, I think, I think, I think that's. I think you have some really dope hot takes, and I urge people to check out your content. I don't want you to give them the sauce now, but <laughs> she. I'm telling you guys, Frankie does a really good job of creating a conversation around certain topics. And one of the things that I like about how you create those conversations is. It seems that, at least from my observation, from the outside looking in, that people just jump into the conversation and they don't go, 
oh, well, this is a woman. She doesn't really know what she's talking about. And um, from my conversation with women in the creative space and in the nerd space, that's a roadblock that a lot of them uh, run into a lot of times when just dealing with the casual fans. So, but... I, def- I definitely think lately I haven't had that issue. Um, and I've been blessed because I've had to fight it a lot, especially my DMs. I would get it often. I would screenshot it and save this for motivation. Sometimes I get those microaggressions where, you know, I make a statement, I'm talking about it in my video, and then the first thing a, a man will say, is well did you read it did you read the comic or you know that's the that's the kiss of death because what they're suggesting is you're you're speaking on a subject that you don't know anything about mm-hmm. uh but the, i think i've been able to not eliminate it but minimize it a, a lot because i've been interacting with all of the people on the conversation space quite frequently so i make sure that i drop video and the and the image on Instagram at a time where I have enough time to answer all the people. So when they come in and they're like, you're crazy, this is ridiculous, I can instantly follow up and then start speaking about like where my references are, my sources, what I read to get this to get this point out. And it's it's definitely been working. But I also think that we're slowly moving into a space where um, women, especially black women, are beginning to become revered where they're seeing our power, they're seeing how much talent we have, and people are starting to listen. Yeah, and I- I'm noticing that as well. And it's it's refreshing, it's refreshing to see because you know, it's I'm a I, I believe in embracing uh inclusivity and diversity. And one of the things that we don't see a lot of, we don't really see a lot of influencers in the uh, nerd space that are uh, both women and or black. Um, And again, not saying that they don't exist, you know, shout out to Eunice. I I had a podcast with her, um, Black Girls Anime, and uh, shout outs to Destiny Senpai uh, getting animated. Um, These are some influencers that I'm seeing that are coming up that are really making waves and starting to make noise. But I wanted to, I wanted you to speak a little bit more about um, being a uh, upcoming influencer in the nerd space as one a woman and two a black woman. Um, what are what are some of your success stories? What roadblocks or barriers are you running into? Like, how are you overcoming some of those obstacles? I would love for you to share some of that with us. Yeah, so I've, I've definitely been blessed with growth. A big part was before I even start started my page, I'm a planner. So I looked into what it takes to start a page, what my roadblocks would be, how to grow it. Um, so I've been able to grow exponentially. Uh, the biggest issue I've had are the gatekeepers within the nerd community. And they're silent, but they still cut very deep. So they, they show up in your DMs and things like that secretly. And they, they'll see my posts and not like what I have to say. And instead of kind of going out where all can see them kind of hating on me or, you know, questioning my thoughts and my truth, they go into my comment, they go into my DMs and they talk to it. So that's the big robot where you're questioning like, is my content good? Do people like it? Especially when there's ebbs and flows with your engagement and your following. 
So the, the biggest one definitely is, you know, putting yourself out there and people in the nerd community take it so serious. Like to us, this is life. So when, when you're doing something like I am, where you're questioning something that you grew up with, with you, and you love, people are going to get viscerally angry about it, you know, because to them, it's like you're, you're, you're just saying things that are against the law almost. So I get people who are very, very upset by comments who are yelling, who haven't even watched the video. So they don't really truly know my reasoning Mm -hmm. and just trying to get them to understand my point of view and letting them know, like, I'm not trying to be irrational or just try to use clickbait. Like, this is just how I talk, especially when people meet me in real real life, they realize this is just how I think and just kind of getting people to see my perspective and be open. That's the biggest thing. Uh, the greatest thing, though, is definitely the the blurred community. And also, I'm Afro-Latina, so I've been going into what we call the Nerdtino community. Okay. Um, we're very, very supportive, and we're here for each other. So in terms of, like, them seeing a Black face and a face similar to them, doing something that's very different, I've been getting unwavering support on that, and people are just so excited to see something different. And to be able to have that level of exposure on things that was exclusively white and male for so long. Mm-hmm. And so great. No, nah, I, I think so, too. I mean, again, that inclusivity and that diversity is key because when you see somebody on that screen that looks like you, that talks like you. Um, and reads or watches some of the same things that you watch, you instantly make a connection. And one of the things that, one of the points you made earlier that I really like and people, I want people to understand is you are engaging with literally everyone on your page. And that's how you develop those relationships. That's how you build a page. You can't just put something out and not engage with the people who are talking to you, you know what I mean? So, but let's talk a little bit about content creation. Now, here's the thing. I I let them know at the beginning of the show, right? That, so to speak, for lack of a better term, you are getting it out of the digital mud. And every video I see, you're improving, the numbers are going up, the interaction is going up. Could you speak to your uh, content creation process? You know, how you come up with an idea, versus how you execute the idea and then how you distribute that idea or the content that you've created across your platforms. Yeah, uh, so when it comes to creating ideas, that process is sporadic. So typically I'm watching something, I I watch YouTube videos, I watch movies or I read something and then a plot hole or something will show up or at least reveal itself to me and then I instantly have to write it down. Uh, and no for another, I'm going to talk about that in the video. And then I have a conversation with myself or a friend or something. And then I flesh out the details for the videos and what I want to use to cite. Uh, but the big, the main thing is I get a, I get the hot topic and the actual phrase I want to use to draw people in. And then I build the video around that. The best thing about me creating content that I, I love to share with people is I don't have a professional equipment at all. To start my page, I, I paid around 60 bucks. I bought a makeup light for uh, the ring light that you put your phone in the center, a clicker, 
and a very, very user-friendly editing tool that does just the basic overlapping and cutting. And I just started doing quick edits and talking to the camera. So right now, and I have an extensive t-shirt collection. So I was like, look, I'll just wear a t-shirt on the subject. People know what it's about. Now I have a brand. And I was able to build that with little to no money and no experience in marketing or anything. So the great thing now is that with YouTube, with the internet, when you're ready to start, you have professionals as your guide. You go to YouTube and there are professional photographers, production people who are creating videos and and essentially creating this cycle for you to have amazing content. So but it's so great. I was looking at my very first video and I was like, this is trash. And it, I only made it like six months ago. But each time I make a video, I learn something new. I watch more videos. I get a little better at editing. And it is time consuming. And I think that's the thing that's the biggest barrier. It's not difficult to do, but it's definitely tedious. And it takes a lot of work. So if you're not ready to actually put in that work, then yeah, it becomes difficult. But if you're dedicated and you want to work and you have the internet and a phone, you know, a decent phone, you it's definitely possible to get it. And then the better production comes as you begin to grow. Yeah, and I agree with that completely. And I'm glad that you shared that with us because my, my journey has been similar where I started making music and producing content at a real young age. I'm as early as 2000, uh, 2001, 2002, putting together websites, making music and, and studying up on all of that stuff. And this was before YouTube was even out. So I was just using um, like a web crawler and Google to figure out my information. But you, you struck and you said something that is really important that I want people to take away from your journey. It's um, that you didn't have a lot of money to start out. And as you progressed, your skills uh, improved. And I just want people to stick with that. You know, you're, you may not be the best at first, but repetition is the mother of skill. And the more you execute a task, the easier that task will become for you. So maybe... You know, with me putting together a track, like as far as like editing and a podcast and stuff like that, it used to take me when I first started out, maybe about two and a half, three hours. Now I can get it done respectfully in about 20, 25 minutes once I'm done recording. So um, again, just stick with it and it'll become easier. So um, the last thing that I guess I'll ask you before we get into the top five would be um, what advice do you have? to people who may want to uh, become an influencer or start creating content within the nerd community? Uh, I would say before you start it, the biggest thing is knowing exactly what you want to achieve and having a resolve that cannot be moved. So once you start your page, there are going to be a lot of people uh, I don't want to necessarily call haters, but they're definitely people who are going to be gatekeeping in a way and, you know, questioning what your motives are, um, telling you how you should move your page. And yeah, a lot of it is helpful. You get a lot of constructive criticism, but a lot of it are people imposing their ideas and what they do and what they've been successful for for you when you already have a specific view for your page and you already have a, a path that you want to move. So 
having knowing exactly what you want to do before you get started will definitely help. And knowing that you need a lot of patience that, I mean, chances are your first couple posts will not go viral. And you may not go viral or do well for months, maybe years. So just knowing that if you stick to it, something will pop and you'll get better. But you just have to be patient. It's definitely helpful. Um, because, you know, you see people who are overnight sensations and you're like, oh, that my stuff is good. I have a lot to say. I'm talented. That may not be the case. People may not discover your page or be open to you for a while. So just being open, networking, and really having a resolve of what you're about, I think is definitely the, the first step for starting a page. Absolutely. I, I agree completely. You know, even even with my journey, it, it took me two years with hip hop and anime vibes to figure out what the hell I was doing to to figure my voice out and to actually like see see the traffic and to see the level of engagement that I was happy with. So um, when you say like you won't see it for months, maybe years, like that's the truth. Like with hip hop and anime vibes, a lot of people don't know. I took like six months off. I was like done. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then I came back and jumped back on it. And then that's that's when I seen seen the growth of of the page and the page become what it was. I'm going to go a little bit off topic. I know we had some questions that we were going to ask, but I, I do want to ask, what are your thoughts on the big Blade announcement with Mahershala Ali acting as Blade in the new Blade franchise? Yo, that's going to be dope. I'm so excited. <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited. You know, he was amazing as Cottonmouth. Yes. And he definitely has a voice. Maybe not the physique. He's a little thin. I mean, he's in, he's in shape, but he's definitely, he's not, he's not the brick house that uh, Wesley Snipes were, was. But um, he's, a, he's an incredible actor. Um, I think Marvel is comfortable enough in their own skin to, to write a good blade. My hope is that they'll make it rated R, and then I'll really be very, very excited. Because Blade is an adult, it's an adult movie, you know. And mm -hmm. to be honest, I didn't even consider him, but he—he he honestly is the best, and he looks just like—he's gonna look just like Wesley Snipes once they give him the haircut and whatnot. Um, I think he's great. The only other person I could really see be Blade is uh, Michael J. White was already spawned and who I found out is super old he he looks the same yeah but, uh, he's the only guy he's the only black martial artist I know to be honest oh, but uh, I, I think it's gonna be dope I think they're ready um, you know I'm more interested to see what DC is gonna do during this essentially one year hiatus uh, you know they have a real opportunity to sweep in and, and, and knock us off our feet and I feel like they're not ready for it so no, that's no. gonna be interesting. I I have zero faith in DC as far as like cinematically. Like with movies, they have struggled more than Yamcha versus a Cyberman. So I don't expect <laughs> them to wow us, man. This is, I mean, I think they had I think they had a gem with Wonder Woman, but I. I'm 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 not too hopeful, man. I mean, their animated universe, like what they're doing with their animated movies, is really dope. But even uh, their uh, 
even their non-animated things, their, uh, what are they called? Like their actual series, like the Doom Patrol, uh, the, the Arrowverse on CW, and even their cart animated movies, they're good. So I don't know where the disconnect is because DC, to be honest, to me growing up, mm-hmm. I connected with more. I liked a lot more. I read so much more because the villains are fire. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were a little bit more grounded, which is cool. A pro and a, a con where they're in America, they're doing things with America and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I just don't know where to disconnect. I think it's because they're so worried about competing with Marvel that they're losing touch. Yeah. But I'm hoping they get it together. They have time now, you know? Yeah, which, um, which you know what? I got to keep it a Buckington. I got to keep it a thousand. And you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I really like the Black Lightning series. Um, oh, I like it too. Yeah, I, I love it. And I know I kind of just like drug DC <laughs> for like a minute and a half, but, mm-hmm. but, um, I, I love Black Lightning. And I just realized that Scooter is Black Lightning Scooter from Living Single. So, yes. I got my mom to watch Black Lightning because she's definitely, she's into Black Tayman and stuff like that. Mm. But I got my mom to like Black Lightning because Scooter was on it. She's like, yo, that's Scooter? (laughs) He's in here, come watch. Yes, yes. I like to think that uh, his point of origin was when Khadijah left him on Living Single, he just decided (laughs) to turn his life around. (laughs) Yo, his wife is bad though, so it's her... It turned bad, yo. Imagine no. he was like, yo, I'm moving back home. I'm done with y'all. Mm-hmm. That's funny. She left him at the altar too, right? Um, Khadijah, nah, you know what? I think in Living Single, he was touring and he was supporting a, a band overseas and she got mad that it was an all-female band. So she just kind of like stopped answering his calls and ghosted him for like months. And uh, he... Crazy. And he was just like, you know what, man? That's when I knew I had to make a change in my life and start helping people. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I love the woman of my dreams. I mean, shout outs to Black Lightning. I watched it on UPN. UPN, wow. The CW when it aired. I was like, UPN out? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, snap, we just got UPN. <laughs> Half your audience would know what UPN is. Yeah. Dog, there's like there's like ten of us like oh shit the UPN <laughs> <laughs> like up next one on one with Flex. <laughs> um, <laughs> Girlfriends is on it, right? Man, listen, girlfriends needs a movie. They do. They do. They, they do. do. Yeah, they're not trying to do it. Tracy is getting her bag. She's done. Oh yeah, yeah, she's out of here. But. That is dope. All right. That is dope. So I went a little bit off script, but I think we're we're having a good conversation. So now we are going to move into our top five segment of the interview. That is where you will let us know what your top five top five is. And the reason this came about is because, you know, kicking it in the barber shops and stuff like that. When we're talking about hip hop, um, the way you kind of judge someone but not necessarily judge someone in a hip-hop conversation in a barbershop if they say something wild you might ask them like who in your top five who the fuck in your top five so (laughs) (laughs) so we're doing that today and we have fantastic frankie giving us her top five 
blurred essentials. All right. So, um, yeah. Frankie, are you going to be giving them to us in any particular order or how is this going to work? No, I, I think I'm just going to give and actually two of them are two different two sides of the same coin. OK, but I'm just going to give top five things that you should watch, period. There's not one over the other. Um, just if you want to say you're blurred, you should have watched, read or seen these things. All right. All right. I love uh, recommendations. So oh, go ahead. Let's start with anime. Um, it's really hard to have a conversation or to really understand the origin without these two. My number one with anime is definitely Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. It came out in the 90s and it one shows that the Japanese could definitely draw diversity. Um, it has such a diverse cast. The music is fire. It's all jazz music. The fight sequences. There's no magic or Kai Blast or anything in, like that. So it's just Kung Fu in space. So it, it's just a great soundtrack. It's great writing. And to me, one of the best dub animes. Uh, so you can have just a good time or enjoy just as much watching the dub as you do watching the subtitles. Um, and on the other side of that anime coin is Dragon Ball Z, which is the opposite. It's not very complex. It's a very simple story. But essentially, anyone, all millennials, have watched Dragon Ball Z because of Toonami. It's like our gateway drug. It's basically our Batman yeah. of anime. Mm -hmm. So definitely, if you want to say you're in the anime space, you haven't watched Dragon Ball Z. It's like you haven't learned your ABCs of anime. Getting used to the filler episodes where like Piccolo gets the driver's license or something like that. <laughs> and then feeling the anticipation of like this person's losing or this person's going to die. What are we going to do? Uh, definitely. So that that's it for me for anime. Those are the two I would recommend definitely watching. Okay. Uh, for comics, I'll give one Marvel and one DC. Uh, for the Marvel, uh, I gotta say Secret Invasion is my favorite story arc, which I'm very excited if you guys watch the new Spider-Man. Uh, there's definitely some hints that that's the direction they're going into. But uh, it, it's a newer comic arc, but it's definitely, it shook up everything I knew about everything I read before. It still added to the story. And then it, it worked in a way where you noticed there were hints of it from previous series. So it's definitely good. It's an adult comic arc. So if you have children, I'm not sure if you should watch it. There's a lot of violence in there, a lot of blood. Um, a lot of psychological drama, but it's definitely a great synopsis of the Marvel Universe. Uh, and then for the DC Universe, to me, it was definitely the Flashpoint, okay. where Barry Allen goes back and prevents his mother from, from dying and just the aftermath of him messing with time and creating a paradox. And it's, it's definitely another adult arc line, but it's amazing it's great it's beautifully written uh for a book sci-fi and fantasy i definitely got to go with harry potter and game of thrones okay uh harry potter i read once a year just go through the full series and it's just great watching the characters grow up in each book and how jk Rowling manages to mention things in books one to three 
and then it becomes important small things like they pick up an item and they, they're like this is weird and then you find out three books later that it was something important and they're they're not scrambling to find something they picked up in a room while they were casually talking in conversation wow. so it, it's just a, a beautifully written book and the same for Game of Thrones I know a lot of people are upset about the series but the books have not disappointed yet it's the first real sci-fi novel, um, not sci-fi, fantasy novel that I got into. And the the great thing about the books are they're from each character's perspective. So you really don't know what's going on. And it, it's written differently. So you read, you're going off of memory instead of like, this is third person, you're watching something happen. So it's people talking and it, it's almost like a game of telephone. It's great. And the series, I recommend too. You got to take that journey. The, it's beautifully <laughs> filmed to the end of the to the end to the very end. I think they deserved every ending that they got mm-hmm. because it was definitely beautifully acted, beautifully drawn. It's just not drawn. I'm sorry, uh, filmed. But it, yeah, it may be written a, a little bit weird. And then my, I, I guess my top what for the movies. Um, on two sides of the coin, I would say Michael Keaton's Batman Forever, the very first Batman with Michael Keaton, and then on the other side, Iron Man. So if you're looking as a way to get into a cinematic universe, those two are definitely the origin story that you want to start with uh, that kind of kicks off the the whole world. So, Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, So... I just want to take a few moments and make sure that I have this because you you dropped some gems. You dropped one hell of a list. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anime, Cowboy Bebop, yes. Anime, DBZ, Dragon Ball Z, yes. Uh, Secret Invasion, uh, the arc in the Marvel Universe. And Flashpoint, the arc in the DC Universe. Books, Harry yeah. Potter, and Game of Thrones. And Cinematic movies uh batman the 1989 michael keaton version which is my favorite um and the iron man the first iron man or all the iron man movies in general 2008 iron man oh okay robert downey jr rising like a phoenix from the ashes (laughs) is incredible yes especially if you're a bit older and you know what a train wreck he is you know Mm -hmm. it's great yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's like if Bobby Brown dropped the fuck, the most fire album we have ever heard. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he has the capacity very well, but we have lost hope in his man, right? Yeah. If he drops some fire, I we'll be so happy for him. We're gonna we're gonna bump it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not certain if you're uh, comparing Bobby Brown to Tony Stark's or Robert Downey Jr., but I think it goes the same both ways because after Iron Man, we all kind of forgot that he uh, did blackface in Tropic Thunder. So, yeah, that happened. But You know what's so funny? <laughs> I was just talking to someone. I think he did Tropic Thunder after Iron Man. Um, but we were just talking about it. Ah, it was blackface, but it was almost, it was different because yeah. it wasn't him... Uh, we were talking about how it was supposed to be him going to the extreme. Yeah. So it was like, except that no one ever brings it up because it wasn't like he was doing blackface to like infiltrate 
someone or something. It was showing that he was an actor who's so ridiculous and that everyone thought he was ridiculous. So it's the same way that like you watch The Office and they're talking about sexual harassment and Michael <laughs> Scott is doing crazy stuff. Right, that's yeah. definitely like he's bringing blow dolls up in the office and stuff like that. But we know that it's them showing how ridiculous this man is. So I maybe because they were showing like it was wrong, ridiculous, and insensitive, yeah. and that's it. He's constantly getting called out by the actors on the show. Yeah, it was kind of accepted. You know what I mean? Ben Stiller did a great job on that. Uh, but like, there's there was one movie I don't know if they scrapped it called like. Uh, Joanta or something where Lo- the guy pretends to be Lawanda. What is it? Lo- we first, first of all, I, I respect you as a creative. We will not say the name of that movie <laughs> on this ah! podcast, <laughs> but yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. It was an independent film that was supposed to be coming uh, to YouTube and released on YouTube. Um, and it was developed around a uh, white man couldn't find a job as a radio host so he just watched reality tv and decided to imitate black women on the radio and uh yeah yeah not so fun (laughs) not so fun i'm glad that we have the space now where we can shut that down immediately though yeah 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 we're like we're like no done but people it was so people are trying now we are not popular culture Black culture is popular. Culture rap music is popular. Mm-hmm. So everyone wants a piece of this and they're trying to uh, monetize on it any way they can to the point where now it's being rude, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was... Because here's the thing. I didn't watch it and I didn't seek it out because I'm not a believer in hate watching because with with me being a music nerd and understanding how distribution works i understand kind of like how film and tv and stuff like that works so i'm like i don't even want to click on something where this thing plays and they get a fraction of a penny for me even streaming this thing so you guys just aren't getting right. money but i to the best of my knowledge it wasn't a major film release like from a major studio it was just an independent film that someone was putting together and uh, I think they were going to release it on YouTube and I don't know if they did or if they didn't but um you know it it sparked uh outrage culture and I feel like that's what a lot of these major companies are doing they realize that there's power in the black voice so they do things purposefully to outrage us so we begin to talk about their brand online and bring awareness to it um, stuff like uh, H&M with the uh, coolest monkey in the jungle uh, Versace, not Versace, but Gucci and some of these other brands. I think it was like Paris Hilton or Taylor Swift did some racist ass shoes. Like, I, I feel like people are aware of these things, but they do that shit intentionally so we can bring awareness to what it is that they have going on just by being outraged. But I digress. I'm oh, sorry. absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I work in a marketing firm and it's the same thing. We do focus groups before we release something. So they, that means that they did a focus group with, a, you know, either people of color. They do that to make sure that people of color aren't offended. They'll do focus groups with like this, uh, a different mass of people. So they did focus groups. They got the feedback that said, yo, this is racist. Don't drop it. They're like, yo. We're going to do it anyway. Um, because, yeah, as to your point, when we hate watch, 
we all watched it. I remember Wendy Williams dropped an Aaliyah movie, I think. Oh, whatever. And it was Lord. And it was the top, it was the top watch movie on Lifetime because we were all hate watching it and making memes. That's the best thing you can hope for is that black Twitter gets a hold of your stuff. Because then we all get FOMO and we're like, I gotta watch. I know it's terrible, but I gotta watch it because everyone's talking about it. Listen, you just struck a nerve. My my wife is a huge Aaliyah fan and she was beside herself when that biopic came out and they couldn't license Aaliyah's music? (laughs) Like, fam, how are you making a biopic about someone's music, about someone's life, and you can't use any... Yes! Like, oh, that is ridiculous. And that also reminds me... Go ahead. To be fair, her her family seems trifling. You know what I mean? Especially Mm -hmm. after I saw the whole being R. Kelly thing and they reacted. And just knowing some of the things they did with her to push her career forward so no they didn't get the rights to the music but i think i don't think they i don't know they've been they've been moving really funny on that on that end with everything regarding her you know i think they're just trying to preserve whatever they built Mm -hmm. so they're not trying to release anything to anyone and you know i respect that but at the same time it's like then we shouldn't do the biopic. Like, there's... Right. It's like, yo, like, fam, we can't do what? All right, well, look, give everybody their money back. Let's wrap it up. Like, we can't put this out. Right, we tried. But that biopic... This conversation just reminded me of that time. I don't know if you remember this, but Michael Jackson had a biopic where Flex from One on One... With Flex Washington... <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about? Oh yes, and they put they. This is before Foundation was at the level, Fenty level. So they had powder on the face, yo. She looked crazy, yo. At this point, at that point, I was like, they would have been better hiring a, a white woman to, <laughs> to play, you know, Michael Jackson in his formative years. Because the makeup just wasn't there yet. You know what I mean? At the time that it was released. Goodness, man. And this was when Michael was still alive. I feel like Michael should have ran down on that man in the street and squared up with him. Like, Yo, yo, I'm throwing hands. If you you know, if you get Michael B. Jordan to play Fantastic Frankie, that's what it looked like. Yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. Oh, my gosh. And he did roll up on him. But he had bigger problems at the time, so I don't know. Maybe they'll do it again and it'll be better. Um, I, I think I think I think they should leave that alone. I think. Um, yeah. I think I think enough is enough. I think they need to let it cool off too, because after that promised Wonderland or Neverland. Na- thank you. Yeah. Um. All right. <laughs> I'm getting. I'm going off <laughs> off topic, but man. This was a good interview. Um, Frankie, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you bequeathing your knowledge to our listener base. (laughs) And before we take off, let them know where they can find you online. Absolutely. All of my handles are fantastic. Frankie, spelled F-R-A-N-K-E-Y, like a T. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, 
and I'm on Twitter, but I have to admit I'm not as active. Definitely check me out on Instagram. You'll get great conversation boards. And watch my YouTube videos. They'll support everything I'm talking about. Both of them are labeled Fantastic Frankie, F-R-A-N-K-E-Y. Bet. All right. And you guys already know this has been an episode of Hip Hop and Anime Vibes. We are out. Make sure you follow Fantastic Frankie. Once again, it's your boy D-Town, a.k.a. Hip Hop and Anime Vibes, a.k.a. Living My Life Like It's Golden Freezer, a.k.a. The Black All Might, a.k.a. On Sight, a.k.a. Sailor Goon, and in the name of the Goon, I'll see you next time. Peace.